Hello, this is Jamie. And this is Heather, and you're listening to Soul Archaeology, where we uncover who we've been, who we are, and who we're on our way to being. And on today's show, we're talking about spiritual gifts. What are they? How do we get them? I want mine. Give me now. <laughs> oh, spiritual gifts. You fun little turkeys. I think the most important thing to mention when we're talking about spiritual gifts right off the bat, especially for people who may be new to the awakening process or are feeling a bit clueless, like what are my spiritual gifts? Blah. I think the most important thing to realize, and this was a pretty big revelation for me when it happened, is that it's not about writing out a list of all the things you're capable of doing. Oh, I can I can talk to dead people now. Oh, oh, I time slowed down for me the other day. Like it's not an episode of heroes. <laughs> we're not we're developing superpowers, but you have to frame it in an understanding of we are uncovering superpowers that were ours to begin with. We're just remembering them and we're tapping into them. So it's not like you have agreed to be a good person and now God is rewarding you with the ability to channel dead people. No. And I just got a little thing. Basically, what we're really doing is we're we're learning to be more connected. We're learning to be more connected to ourselves, to other people, to our surroundings, to the earth, to the heavens, whatever you want to, you know, cosmically on the earthly plane, we're just learning to be more connected. We're tapping in. We're exactly. tapping in. We're we're listening. We are receiving. Um yeah. So really it's just about connection overall. I mean, when you when we, it's hard because when you start putting it in a spiritual framework or what people think of when they think of spiritual framework, it sounds very mystical and very magical and it can be, but it's not mystical and magical in the way you think. It's not Well, and I Harry think Potter. that <laughs> But here's the thing, here's the thing though. It can be very Harry Potter. It... <laughs> I don't yes. know if I can recover from that. Hold on. Oh my I don't God. know, but it's, but it's staying in. I'm not editing it out because That's it's too fine. wonderful. Harry, I love it. Harry Potter. Oh God. It sounds like a bad porn film. Oh my God. Okay. It can't be very Harry Potter. However, the thing you need to understand about the mystical side, about all the tools and, oh my gosh, should I play with tarot cards? Oh my gosh. What will my family think? Grandma's going to plot. Um, the thing that makes things mystical is how we pull these energies in from the different dimensions and manifest them into our physical world. That's mysticism. Sure. And the, the reason it's mysticism is because what we are doing when we manifest shit is we are asking our higher selves that maybe we're not even totally connected to yet. Maybe we don't have a constant conversation going on with that higher self. Maybe it's a tentative connection at best and you're not even sure if it's real. Like, am I really connecting with a higher part of me or am I really talking to God or are there really angels or spirits? It's okay to have all those questions 
and start playing with the tools that seem so magical and mystical. Because what you're doing is you are shaking hands with that information that you may not quite understand or know where it's coming from. You are shaking hands with that and saying, I want to play with you. Come play with me. And then you are manifesting it in like a code that appears as a physical item. It appears as a deck of cards. It appears as a crystal ball. It appears as a wall full of crystals that you never thought you'd own, but now you can't stop buying. That's how mysticism appears in your life. And mysticism feels fun and inviting for a reason. It's enticing for a reason. It serves a purpose. And that purpose is to get you exploring. It's to get you curious. It's to get you excited. Because when you were in, when you are stepping into your excitement, you're stepping into flow. And again, circles, if we're going to complete that circle, circles back to the connection. It's mm-hmm. getting you more connected to all of the things around you. And I know, and it's hard, you know, if you're coming from from a really strict religious background, that can be a very difficult thing to wrap your head around because there's a lot of... I'm not going to say there's a lot of text because I think that's incorrect. I think there's a lot of people who interpret text to be, oh, it's, it's, it's witchcraft. It's devil work. It's, you know, it's Satan's playground. However you want to (laughs) to put that. And it's when, when I come, when I come to that wall in particular, I don't know why it's been coming up so much lately. Maybe it's because it's like in near Halloween and that's coming up a lot, but it's like, you know what? I'm sorry. You, you made him up. You can't force that on me. (laughs) That's your, that's your belief system. That's not my belief system. That's not a part of Christianity that, that I choose to play with. So that's over there. Um, well, I think, I, that the, I think that the concept of play in general, when you try to link it with traditional religion is taboo. It is. It's, and that's, and it's a shame. It's a real shame because I actually love religion in a certain way. I have a certain type of love for religion. I don't like, um, I don't like religious structure the way it's taught. Well, the way it's been being taught for, you know, how many years. Uh, But I do love religion. Once you get past all of the actual dogma portion of it and start to study different religions, they're so interesting. And we had this conversation a little bit in the last episode. So if you missed the last episode, go back if you want to hear some more of that kind of conversation, because we we delved into that a little bit. But there are so many interesting facets that you can pull out and play with and kind of connect the dots together. And it makes a very interesting picture that is kind of cool to like, oh, so if I pull from here and I pull from here and if I pull from here and put all of those things together, what does it feel like to play in the world that that creates? That's kind of cool. I can see and that already you're in and already Mm -hmm. you're in the taboo. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Which is fine for me now. I, I, I don't have 
any qualms with it whatsoever now that I, I am <laughs> I am very comfortably sitting in the middle of the taboo. It 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 doesn't matter to me. It's not taboo to me. Right. It might be taboo to somebody else. It's not taboo to me. Um but you know for me it came on early for me. I've I've been connected since I was very young. And it's hard when you're really young and it hits you. Because most of the time, I know for me and a lot of the other people that I've talked to, we weren't in a place where that was accepted. It wasn't accepted in our families. It wasn't talked about. So, you know, you go through different periods of um, kind of connection and disconnection from those gifts as well as, as you grow. And it can be scary. I know when I first started realizing that when I was seeing and speaking with certain people that other people couldn't see them or speak to them, that was kind of like a, oh, well, then who are these people? Where are they coming from? And why are they talking to me? And am I doing something wrong? And is it bad? And am I not supposed to? And am I supposed to like put the pillow over my head at night and, you know, bring the covers up tight and just try to block them all out? Uh, it's not a very good practice and it doesn't work, by the way. Um, <laughs> you know, especially when you're five and you're <laughs> in your little bedroom and, you know, dead people are at the foot of your, de- your bed and it's like, um... I don't know who you are. Okay, but the trick to that, the trick to that was that practice can work and it can be effective if you're not setting your intentions out of fear. But a five-year-old doesn't realize that. A five-year-old is afraid and so they're trying to get away. If you set your intentions as when you see the blankets like this and the pillow like this, it is a boundary for you to go away, then you set your boundary. That is a pure intention. That will work. Sure. (laughs) Sure. You know, or the waving of the hand, or mm-hmm. there's all sorts of fun stuff that you can do to uh, to show, you know, sorry, um, shop is closed right. at the moment. What was that psychic name who right I now. used to watch? Lisa. Oh, shoot. She's from. Oh, uh, Russo? You mean Russo? No, not Kim Russo. Lisa, she was from Britain. Oh, oh. Um. Great. Now you made me, I've, ha, ha. I've, now you made me forget. <laughs> anyway, she always cracked Williams. me up. She, yes, Lisa Williams. She always used to crack me up because she's like, all right, well, I've put my bonnet on now, so they can't talk to me. I always put my bonnet on when I'm driving. <laughs> Her bonnet? <laughs> oh, oh England you kill me but she always used to wear these hats and when she was wearing her hat that was her sign to spirit that she was not open for business yeah yeah that's fun um you know and you can go for a really long time with not knowing how to work with that energy and not knowing what to do and it can be really overwhelming but I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves yes um because we're talking about people who haven't tapped into their gifts. Yeah. We're talking about that time in your awakening, as it were, where you you want to start 
tapping into those things that seem so magical and mystical, but you A, don't know how, and B, you don't even know what that's supposed to look like. Because all you've seen is other people. You've seen Teresa Caputo work an audience. You've seen all of the ghost the ghost shows. But what is it going to look like for you? And the the answer to that is none of us can tell you that because it's going to look for you like it's meant to look only for, for you. you. <laughs> it's going to come through very individually. It's going to come through very specifically in a way that will resonate with you. And in fact, and this is a theme lately, it's going to come through in a way that you are not going to realize it's coming through. You are going to be so busy looking for it that you are going to overreach and miss what's coming through right in front of you. Yeah. And that happens a lot. I, I find that happens a lot in readings where I'm talking about, um, you know, family members that are trying to reach out and the signs that they're giving. And it could be anything from, you know, the the cliche seeing certain numbers on the clock or on receipts or, um, you know, coming through in memos or something, you'll see a certain set of numbers over and over again. You might hear a particular song on the radio that was a memorable song, a connection between you and someone else, and that's playing. It might be, um, you know, seeing butterflies, seeing red balloons, seeing um, a, a dime or a nickel or a penny or, or something somewhere out of nowhere. It's anything that stirs an idea in you that says, I wonder if that's a sign. Yes, that is a sign. <laughs> anything that makes you stop for a moment and think, I wonder if that is some sort of signal or sign or some sort of message. Am I having some sort of connection? If you are asking that question, the answer is yes. That is something that's been coming through a lot lately too. And I didn't tie it into this until you started talking about that. And I've been receiving it for several days. Um, and that is that this entire world is a sign. So when people start sure. down the road of, um, oh my gosh, spiritual people, everything's a sign with them. Like, oh, the sun rose. It's a sign. Uh, well, yes, bitch, it is a sign. And I'll tell you why. Because this entire verse that we live in, this entire reality that we've created, or if you're still in the, the camp of it was created for us, fine, let it be. But this entire experience that we're having in these human forms is all code. All of it. This is where light codes come from. Light carries information. And in our physical reality, that information is transformed into physical reality. So everything you're seeing is a code manifest. Sure. So when everything is a sign, yes, everything can be a sign. And if it resonates with you in particular as a sign, then yes, it is telling you something. It is speaking to you. It is a message from spirit. It is a message from your higher self. It is a message from your guides. It is a message from God, the gods, whatever you want to believe about it, because what you want is the guiding force of your life. And unfortunately, over our lifetimes, especially 
I shudder to say the older generations have been trained out of wanting. Wanting is also taboo. It has been labeled selfish. It has been labeled irresponsible. uh, And other things have been placed in front of wanting, like responsibility, like um, needing to pay bills, like very mundane, granular life things. Expectations. Yes, expectations. They all outweigh want. So the reason that you are experiencing a sense of mysticism and magic is because you are daring to challenge that old way of thinking. And once you start to challenge that old way of thinking, you have, as you said earlier, before we started recording, stepped into Narnia. That is the portal. That is the gateway to your gifts. And got to warn you, once you start doing that, A, there's no turning back. (laughs) And B, you will think you are effing crazy regularly. Well, yeah. I mean, and you step back and forth through the, uh, through the closet, so to speak, you know, it's the, your everyday mundane life doesn't necessarily go away. You're still playing in the overall game that everybody else has agreed to play to a certain extent you you don't necessarily get away from that but as you become more and more connected and that's really the trick the the it really does come down to connection if you're not connected to it then you're not going to see it as magic you're not going to see it as a gift you're not going to see it as a sign or a message because you're not connected to it you're not allowing yourself to be connected to it to be plugged in to it. It's like, you know, your headphones aren't going to work if they're not plugged into the device <laughs> that you're meaning to listen from. And the, and the plugging it doesn't in, work that way. Plugging in is just another way of saying um, that it escaped me. It ran out of my head. <laughs> well, it's it's being plugging in is being open to receiving. It's the lens of perception. Plugging in is the lens of perception is what I was going to say. Sure. So it's – it's what you have to understand is that you have everything you need to be anything you want. Oh, sure. Except possibly for the lens of perception that allows you to frame it that way. Absolutely. So without that lens of per- perception, that lens of perception is the key. Let me say it one more time. Lens of perception. Um, that's the key to entering whatever state you wish to enter, whatever viewpoint. It is all about perception. It hangs in the balance with your ability to see things that way. So if you are so, you've you've got habits of thinking that are so ingrained, it is going to be a very difficult journey to try and change those. But that is the journey of awakening. That's what awakening is. It's just changing your perception. And it's layered. It's multifaceted. Oh man, the layers. It's not like you wake up one day and say, okay, I'm ready. I want to receive all my gifts. Let's have them. Okay, that's a great start. That's a great dipping your toe in the water. But you also have to do the quote unquote work it takes to start opening yourself up to what the possibilities are. And 
not just what the possibilities are, but whatever is correct for you at that moment. And I'm not saying correct in the way of some things are incorrect. I'm saying whatever is meant for you at that time to help further open you up. Your it's whatever stage of growth you have you happen to be in in that moment. Is and there was there was a lot with of what you're going to receive. There was a lot of jargon in what you just said. To us, it's normal sure. because we have this conversation all the time. But there's a lot of jargon for people who don't are not familiar with this process. They're not familiar with what they're feeling. And um, so, for instance, doing the work, that was a really triggering statement for me when I first started to awaken because I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? The work. What the fuck is the work? Could someone please describe for me what this work is? And it took me a long time to be open enough to hearing the explanations before they actually resonated with me. So, for instance, you would tell me what the work was, but I had a story about the word work. Uh And my story about the word work was that it was undesirable, that it was something you didn't want to do. And clearly, if I'm stepping into spirituality, then I'm choosing to step into it. And obviously, that means I'm doing the right thing, right? So what is this work I'm supposed to do? What am I missing? Like, when does it get unfun, essentially? And and it's funny because I want to stop you right there for a moment because mm -hmm. my association with the word work, especially at the time, was different. For me, if I called it work, then I wasn't wasting my time because work is what I was supposed to be doing. Right. It was responsible. It was it was a responsible choice to go down that path, which, of course, I think now and I'm like, that's funny that I ever had that association with that word. But I did. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. So, you know, it can go in both directions. It can go in all directions. That's why we're talking about this so that whoever stumbles upon it can realize that what they need to do is tap into their own direction. You know, Mm -hmm. there's something I do on the shared space where I I post every once in a while. Uh, Most of the time I'm posting on soul archaeology. So if you're like into social media, you want to follow us on Instagram, soul archaeology podcast is our Instagram. And that's where I post most of uh, the cool stuff. But I made a commitment to myself recently that I would start posting on my personal account, Shared Space, uh, the Shared Space Healing, um, just because I was like, it's so sad. It's just so abandoned. And it felt so forlorn. So one of the things I started doing was a post about defining your words, because I really think people underestimate how important that is. And it's such an important tool for the awakening process, because what it does is it helps you to understand not only what you think about certain concepts, but then, oh boy, I just saw a Jamie face that was crazy. Can you hold it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Um, so not only does it help you understand what you think of those concepts, because most of our definitions about these common words, we may, we, there's two mistakes we make. One, we think everybody thinks the same way we do. That, that the definition for success, the definition for family, the definition for play is the same no matter who you're talking to. So it helps us understand. Okay. And two is that most of our definitions are strictly made of connotation. It's about 10%, 10% denotation, meaning the actual dictionary definition of the word, and 90% connotation, all of the sure. things that we over our lifetimes have applied to that word. So I do this little post where I start asking questions about this word to help you define the word so you can start to understand 
your vocabulary and how you use vocabulary. And the last question I ask is always, now that you've done that, go ask everyone in your life what their definition is, because you're going to be surprised how different it is from yours. And that's across the board. So part of the way that you awaken and tap into your gifts is to start understanding who you are and who you've become. Sure. Which is really like why we started this podcast to begin with. Exactly. Okay. So what was the blinky face? So the blinky face was, you know, basically my guides, my higher self stepping in and going, well, that is, that is literally why you have the language or the languages that you have, because your spirit has absolutely no use for it. The the language, the the, the reason is to explore just what you talked about. Mm. The, the nuances of, of, of all of that, because your spirit has absolutely no need for any of the type of language that we use. And to be completely honest, the, the, any, almost any language that we have that we use in our human experience is not enough to fully communicate what our potential is with each other. So there are a lot of times when you won't have words coming into this experience and you're going to be really kind of stuck and dumbfounded going, I don't even know. I don't know how to explain that. I don't know what to call that. I don't know. And it's for a reason. It's because you've reached a point where those languages no longer serve a purpose in that particular capacity. You're just not going to be able to because you're not supposed to because it doesn't work that way. Um, but yeah, your your spirit doesn't have any use for it. It's just another tool that we have for this particular experience on this planet as human beings and helping us to navigate the kinds of things that we're going through. You know, what does a, a word is very powerful, but how is it powerful? It has the ability to trigger. It has the ability to bring up an emotion. It has an ability to um, to to even soothe an emotion. It's it's powerful to us in this experience, but from a spirit side, it's it's neither here nor there. It's just a way to it's just a way to communicate. It's mm-hmm. much more powerful to us here in this realm than it is outside of this particular experience. To them, it's a very limited. Bodies. It's a very limited way of very communicating. Limited. And and it's not a. I used to take that as a very judgmental thing when mm-hmm. they would say that because I went through a very intense phase of speaking with spirit where I was demanding that whatever messages they brought through were not just those airy, fluffy, huggy-lovey, kumbaya messages that are encoded with light, meant to um, meant to catalyze the listener's higher self slash subconscious, but were just messages of, you've got this, the light has already won, blah, blah, blah. It drove me nuts. I was like, that is, that is 10 out of 10 not helpful. So if you're going to talk to me, I demand that you give me practical fucking advice because I'm over here dying, so to speak, 
of thinking I'm crazy and not knowing how to navigate this. And if I'm going through this and I was already connected to it in a way that didn't scare me, this, this never scared me. It sounded fun. It sounded exciting and I couldn't wait. But if I was going through it in the thick of it thinking, oh my God, am I crazy? Am I losing my mind? Then my goal was to get for other people practical tools that they could use to help, to help them navigate it. And the guides would come through with fluffy, airy, la, la, la. And I was like, no, 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 no. Practical. Give me practicalities. And it was very hard for me to understand that even though the guides are aware that we are in a very limited state, that they know from the get-go that who we are in these bodies is just a fragment of who we are in reality, mm-hmm. in like the the totality. And even those of us who have awakened and found some sort of spiritual teacher to give us that message, it doesn't sink in at first. It sinks in over time as you continue to have your experiences. And of course, as humans, we want everything now. We want to understand now. You should just be able to convey it to me in a sentence and I should be able to understand the concept. Otherwise, the concept is bullshit, bitch. <laughs> That was kind of the feeling, you know, I had high expectations and I'm not saying I was wrong to have those high expectations. A lot of really good, deep um, tools and interesting information came as a result. And I learned a lot in a very short period of time because I was demanding with my guides. They just rolled their eyes at me. You know what? Sit down. You're not part of the conversation (laughs) right now. Um, I got what I needed in order to move to the next level. But it took me, because I am who I am, being contentious in order to get there. And they knew what they were signing up for when I came in. And so it, it, but there was a sense of, how do I describe it? There was a sense of um, feeling kind of bad, like, oh, am I going to get struck down by lightning because I am being a total brat right now, but bite me. This is how it's going to work. Never did get struck down by lightning. Obviously, I'm here talking to you today. And I can tell you that what they want us to know more than anything, especially for those of you who are just getting on your paths and you are still battling with that religiosity versus spirituality, what they want you to know is that you bend the knee to no one, to no one. You are an ascended master. And that's a hard thing to wrap your brain around because we have been uh, belittled our entire lives, some of us more than others. But in different ways, some of us have just taken to belittling ourselves. I know I did. Um, we do it for other people so that they don't have to do it for us. You know, It's like a preemptive strike. And when you have spent your whole life doing that, you, when you start to awaken, the concept that you are sovereign and the ruler of your own kingdom is more than foreign. It is impossible. Yeah. I, um, I, let's see, how do I, uh, how do I word this? I had a very different takeaway from a lot of the religious texts than I think most people did which obviously got me in trouble a lot when I was younger because I was a questioner (laughs) (laughs) I had a lot of questions and I was always really frustrated when people couldn't answer me but I had a much different takeaway with passages like 
or ideas like we are made in the image of God. When somebody said to me, we are all made in the image of God, I took that as we're all God. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much where I went with it. And that's pretty much what's intended. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, well, let's see. I certainly don't look like that white guy with a beard up on the wall who certainly doesn't look like he came from the Middle East. <laughs> and if he made all of us, although there's a really good, uh, never mind, I digress. I won't get into that now. <laughs> there is a really cool story around that too. Um, but, you know, if if I looked around and I saw all of these other people, I'm like, well, I know that it doesn't mean that because obviously not everybody looks like that. So it's not literal. It, and it's and that's not even like who who came up with that picture really was somebody chiseling you know the face of god or jesus on a little tablet in the you know really that didn't happen so somebody came up with that image and then everybody else read that thing and then pointed to that and went well if you don't look like that then you're not what <laughs> like <laughs> that never made sense to me so i'm like you people are not listening to the words really you're not um because that's not what that means so to me it's always been a you know we're looking past the flesh we're looking into the spirit we're looking into that the the that soul heart space and it's more of a feeling than an actual physical being that you are connected to you are a a spirit fragment of one big beautiful ball of energy and yeah we're all equal in those respects so i never had that kind of weird thought that you know i was supposed to be something specific mm. in that way in that way but you had it in other ways you your religiosity I, came from your father's work ethic yeah that's where your religiosity was yeah. so everyone has a religiosity about them and that was the first thing they started working with me on because i too grew up thinking that adults were absolutely out of their minds when it came to religion i thought that they were silly I literally looked down on them. I was like, oh, poor adult. You're so dumb. You know, like as a child, that is literally how I felt because I went to Lutheran school. I went to Catholic school and I was like, <laughs> this is so, this is so the big paper with the dotted line in the middle. This is so learning your ABCs. Like, what are we doing? I literally had that feeling. Um, but I realized as I started working with the guides, in a more direct manner, that I still had my religious beliefs. They just weren't around. And some of them actually were around Jesus and God and being smited. I mean, I did say earlier in this conversation that I was a little afraid that I was so petulant I'd be struck by lightning. Yeah. You know, so even if you're not religious, you still hold some, even on the most I don't even know what level it would be, but even on the weirdest levels, there's still an association there of punishment. Well, it's ingrained in our society and in our culture, and yes. you can't escape that. Yes. You cannot escape the environment that you grow up in until you have the idea that you can break free from that 
and you start looking at things differently, you start changing your perspective, you start changing your your beliefs, and you go inward. The work, the work is really all about going inside, going inward, listening to your inner voice, trying to figure out what you are trying to say to yourself. What are you trying to communicate to you? Because that is the kind of push and pull between the physical human experience you and the spirit that is living inside who is also you know knowing of everything else that you've ever experienced including before you came into this human experience and whatever it is that you take with you after you leave this human experience it has all of that information and it is trying to relate to you you're trying to relate to each other as you're going through that quote-unquote work that is essentially at the very base basic level what that work is is a is a it's an intense inner dialogue where you are pulling apart all of these structures that have been created for you within your external environment that has seeped inside it's like you know if you plant something on the top soil whatever you're feeding it goes down into the roots it goes down below the surface and into the soil so whatever you have been taught is seeping into your inner world and creating your inner world but your spirit is still going to be there going you know but that's not that's not everything that you are are do you really think that you are just what your parents have told you just what your teachers have told you just what you know society in general and your culture has has taught you do you think that you're just that because you're a whole lot more than that and when you're ready to hear that that's when those quote-unquote spiritual gifts start to come online it's as you delve into that particular side of yourself that you uncover all of the things that you are actually capable of and that's really where the magic is is when you can combine all of that all of that spiritual nature inside and then let that flow outwards back into the world, into this physical space that we're inhabiting. You are now putting forward a, not just a, an intention, but you are shifting, you're shifting the world around you. You start creating the world around you because now you are contributing where once you were just taking it all in, now you are actually contributing back into that physical space and helping to create what it actually is. So if you're in a spot where you don't like what's happening around you, the more you dive inward to start that process, the easier it is going to be and the more shifts you will see, which isn't always easy at first. It's not easy at all. As as you well as you see your exterior world change, you know Crumble. it's like having it's like having the rug pulled out from under you. Yes, there's no safety net. But 
news, there was no safety net before either. Mm -hmm. There was a perceived safety net that is not safe. It's triggering. And that's why you needed to go inwards. (laughs) Right. It's very circular, this process. It's a spiral. There's layers. It's not a one and done. It's not a, I just woke up today and I decided that I'm going to be very, you know, ohm and centered and meditative and I'm not going to let the outside world affect me. Um, that's, it's a nice thing to put out there, but it's, it's a constant process. And I don't know anyone who's being genuine and authentic who is saying the outside world doesn't affect me anymore. That makes me tilt my head. That makes me say, "Mm, I don't think so. That makes me think maybe you still have some more quote unquote work to do because (laughs) that's not very realistic because it's ultimately, it's not part of why we're we're here. We're here to, to continually be on this journey until our contract here is done. Um, but yeah, that's what I have to say about that in particular. <laughs> Thank you, Forrest. <laughs> like, I don't know where I started. I don't know what triggered it. I just I kept talking. Either. And I had some points along the way, but I didn't want to interrupt you. And now I'm like, Burr. Oh. <laughs> but, but spiritual gifts, if we want to like get into a few and like navigate a couple um, I've already mentioned I could see dead people when I was very, very young. So for and this is the other thing. As you grow, it shifts. That's what and, I wanted to talk about because yeah. that was the big aha moment for me. And actually it was kind of disappointing because I was really hoping to accrue a list of spiritual oddities that were <laughs> mine. And my ego really wanted to cling to every single one. And what I found out fairly quickly was that as you go through the journey, your spiritual needs change and hence your spiritual gifts change. And when I say change, sometimes they go away completely. Like there was a time where dead people were talking to me all the time. It was while we were still ghost hunting and um, I would walk into a store and once I was trying on a ring and this woman's dead mother was by me and I started crying because that was my tell. That was like when spirit was around me, I didn't know at the time what was happening. I just knew that I'd start to cry. It wasn't entirely emotional. It was, how do I describe it? So there was emotion to it, but it was an emotion born of overwhelm. It wasn't an emotion born of sadness. It It was whatever spirit was approaching me to give a message to their loved one was so full of love that my literal physical body would be overwhelmed by the energy of it. And tears would start draining from my eyes. I'm in the middle of this shop. I'm trying on a ring. This is a nice ring. And all of a sudden, pause, tears. I'm weeping in public. I don't like to cry in public. Are you joking? Like, really? What kind of dirty trick is this? And I tuned in for a minute because I learned rather quickly that you cannot ignore them. (laughs) And I tuned in and I literally, it was so, it it felt so risky at the time. I went into the other room of the shop. It was like two small shops connected by a doorway. 
I went into the other room of the shop and I went up to the front counter and I said, um, and they saw that I was crying and they were like, what is happening right now? And that made all of us. Um, and I was like, um, and I could barely get the words out. And I was like, has anyone's mother recently died? And the person behind the counter, now keep in mind, this is like a jewelry and crystal shop. So I was thinking, well, it's not that risky, but the response I got certainly did not support that assumption. She looked at me, her eyes got super large and she was like, what the fuck is happening? And I'm like, I'm sorry, but um, I have someone's mother with me and she needs to get a message to her child. And the woman was like, um, no, I I haven't. Uh, have you? And she turned to her coworker and her coworker was like, no. And this woman comes out of this little back room. I didn't even know what it was. I thought it was a closet. She comes out of this back room and her eyes are huge. And she stares at me like, oh my God, I lost my mother. And I was like, okay. And I started telling just what was coming in my head. I just started, I'm like, I am not Generally, I don't consider myself a psychic, but recently, blah, blah, blah. And your mother says she's with you and she wants you to know that. And this woman started, she burst into tears and she started saying, oh my God, I'm so thankful. Thank you so much because I've been asking my mother to come through and she hasn't been. And I thought she had just abandoned me and I felt so abandoned. And it's just so nice to know that that she's around. I'm like, she wants you to know she's shopping with you today. She's like, oh my God, that makes so much sense because earlier and blah. And she just went into this whole story. And I was so relieved that it resonated with her because I felt so crazy town. I felt so crazy. Like, I'm just going to go up to a fucking stranger and say, hey, your dead mom wants to give you a message. I've seen psychics on TV do it all the time, but I've never considered myself one of those people. I've always kind of wanted to be one of those people, but I never thought that I had it in me to actually be one of those people. So already you're hearing the stories that I had of what the requirements are to be a psychic like that. I wasn't one. Whatever the requirements were, they didn't include me. And here it's happening just like it happens on TV. And it can not just overwhelming, but it can feel like a full-blown anxiety attack. Mm. It can affect your body, your physical body, in really crazy ways, especially if you're not generally a very grounded individual. If you don't, if you don't have a sense of, I'm firmly planted here and and I feel comfortable and safe and protected just in general in daily life. Um, If you don't have that general sense around you very often, then it is likely to hit you a little harder. You might not actually allow the message to come in fully because the panic attack will actually take over and you will block because it makes Whatever it feel dangerous. Yeah, yes, your body exactly. tells you it's dangerous, so you block it. And that, shut down. that's really unfortunate because if that's happening to you, it's likely to happen again and again and again. Yeah, yeah. And especially if it seems random, anything that seems random, like, wow, that just popped out of the blue. This is for no reason. It's for a reason. And it's not just out of the blue. And it's not random at all. Um, 
this is that connection that's trying to form. And for me, because I was so young, the way I view it is I came in to this particular lifetime with with a lot of the knowledge of what I had experienced previously. I held on to some of that really tightly. And so coming into this particular lifetime, I was able to connect very quickly. Um, I was also, and this is another thing that, that for me, because I see it over and over again, children in general, it's like they were just in the place where most of us are trying to reach. <laughs> They're very well connected to the spirit realm because they were just there. They're much more open than we are. You hear it all the time how children are having past life experiences. Um, children are seeing, hearing, and communicating. Oh, my daughter doesn't talk yet, but she stands up in her crib in the middle of the night and points at the wall. And then I've been feeling this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, well, yeah, she's communicating with other spirit because she was just there. <laughs> she hasn't learned to block that out yet. She hasn't been completely saturated in this outside world she isn't affected by society and culture and your beliefs yet um you know when children are are really open um they're also very well protected and very grounded i have found as well um they're very intuitive and they work on their own clock this is why you know it can be really difficult to have a baby because they are working on their own internal whatever they need. That is what they are sharing in that moment. Um, so if you think about it that way and then translate that into, you know, a, a more spiritual version of that, of course, children are more connected. I stayed connected and I continued to stay connected. So for me, my gift was always with me. But it was much stronger as a child because I didn't have anybody telling me right away that it was wrong, that I wasn't supposed to. That came a little bit later when I started asking more questions because I started realizing that not everybody was seeing these people or hearing these people. Um, so in the beginning, yes, I could very, very clearly see and hear people that had crossed over and I was very much open to just about anything. So like one of my favorite experiences going um, to visit my grandparents and they lived near a historic fort that had been, it was on the grounds of the actual fort. The actual fort had been burned, but the, um, the remnants, the ruins of the fort had remained. And then they built, a um why replica? Did the escape me? a replica a replica thank you mm -hmm. um of the actual fort and put mannequins inside the rooms you know dressed as soldiers and reset the whole thing i just have to say the 70s so, and 80s propensity for mannequins in historic places was the best and creepiest 
most awesome thing that ever happened to historical sites. And I and vote, still exist. I absolutely vote. Yes, but usually they are like so dusty that you can barely see <clears throat> what they were meant to True. be originally. Like there's a place in Monterey uh, at Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, Fisherman's Wharf? No, Cannery Row. There's a museum down in a basement. It's so it's so crusty. It's delightful. <laughs> it, I just, it's great. So I personally want to just interrupt your story for a moment to say, please bring those back. They're awesome. Anyway, right? go ahead. True. True. So, you know, I would go into this place and I would have full conversations with the soldiers who I could actually see. I saw the mannequins. It's not that I didn't see the mannequins. The mannequins were there, but in amongst the mannequins were, were to me, real people. They were real men. They were walking around. They were doing things. They were having discussions. They were like handing off papers to each other. They I have were... a question about this. Sure. Okay. I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but looking back, can you discern whether or not they saw the mannequins? They who? My, oh, the, oh. The, the, the dead the, people, the soldiers the, who were going oh, up no, in daily life. No, so for them, no, the mannequins didn't all. seem to exist. No, no. And in <laughs> fact, um, so it would be very much uh, residual. Okay. It would be residual, but I could communicate. Okay, but if okay, so this is gonna this is gonna mess with some people. So, okay, let me wait. Let me pause that for a moment. Okay, I couldn't communicate, but I could hear and see. I was I was. So, it's like I was picked up and put inside their residual space. Okay, so they weren't communicating with you. Occasionally, if I if I jumped in because I was in their space. Right. Get it? Right. But it, it sort of tests the boundaries of what people generally think of. Like people who have been informed by ghost shows think that residual is not conscious. Do you see what I'm saying? Like everything sure. – this is a whole other show. And we will actually – this is our next show. But just <laughs> just to tide you over, everything is consciousness, including residual ghosts and ghosts that we call um, conscious ghosts. It's all consciousness. So – but we'll talk about that more in the next show. I promise. Because I'm so excited never, about that. <laughs> I've, I've never actually had anybody ask me that before. So I've never had to think about it. Mm -hmm. So this is actually the first time that I'm really like stepping into that space and thinking about it. And, it. and it's like, well, no, it was residual. But if I chose to step inside that box and ask them questions, although here's the interesting thing. It's almost like... um I wasn't communicating with the individual as they stood in front of me doing their tasks. I was communicating with the spirit of that individual that was inside slash behind that individual. That so was doing cool. So cool. Because when you I've never get, thought of that before. And when you start to break it down. You have no choice but to redefine your understanding of what is going on temporally. And it's so clear to me. It's like this was when this was happening. Oh, gosh. I would say from the time I was probably three or four years old that I remember up until I was probably about seven or eight. Because this was a this was a place that we visited often. And it wasn't the only place where this happened. They lived in southern Illinois. And um, the the fort area there there was a lot of areas like that 
there were also Native American um, burial mounds and like whole villages that were being uh, excavated by archaeologists and you could go and see them literally doing the work and I would same same thing I would walk into that space and I could see them you know with the baskets gathering and doing their daily work and but I could project inside of that somehow and choose or not choose to have an interaction now I did not understand at that time how in the hell that was working I had no idea how I, I i i couldn't have explained that then um all i thought was i'm having a conversation with a person because there they are and why can't everybody else like why is everybody looking at me funny i don't know why so you know that was the kind of experience that i had growing up as i became older and people started putting ideas and beliefs on me that said that is incorrect that's not something you should do that's not something that you should be a part of I distanced myself from it but it was always there like I could block it by thinking that's wrong I shouldn't be doing that but it was always there. I remember going to, and it really, really did affect me physically. Like I, they found my first ulcer when I was eight years old. Wow. For about a year, I could barely keep anything down. And my family had a tradition of every weekend because my parents worked a lot. Every weekend was like, family stuff was happening on the weekend so we'd pick a place and we'd go and i remember going to um the i guess it's the is it the will rogers museum it had opened in the early 80s out by like the los Feliz area is that is that the will los rogers Feliz? or is that oh gosh. Well, off of the five off of the five uh, I, before I, you get to los Feliz. yeah i is it yeah, will rogers the music- or is it roy rogers will Will, Will Rogers, okay. yeah. Okay. I still don't know if that's correct. Anyway, Western. Yes. Western, Western Museum Film Museum. Museum of the Southwest. Were, yeah. Yeah. And there were lots of like Southwest exhibits with, you know, uh, you know, obviously um, artifacts and there were movie artifacts and things like that. And I remember being inside and it was probably within the first couple weeks that it had opened so it was really busy and I remember being inside and like following kind of like a tour group and kind of straggling and I'd see something and like kind of start communicating and then I'd have like a really bad physical reaction because I had told myself all sorts of stories that were passed down to me about how bad it was to do that. And I remember being horribly, horribly sick inside that museum. Like I ran to the bathroom and puked my gut out for like five, 10 minutes. I remember we had to leave early. And I remember that was really the trigger 
to finally get me to the doctor and go, okay, so it's not just, this isn't just nervous stomach. This is something else and having to go through all sorts of testing and things like that before, you know, the doctor was like, well, she has an ulcer. <laughs> and of course I didn't know what that meant at the time, but it's like, you know, I will, uh, you know, you're, it just means that you're, it just means that you're a sensitive kid and you're high strung and, and you're anxious and you worry about things a lot, but you know, that runs in the family. So. Wow. Here, take this, take this horrible, horrible Donatol. <laughs> this awful green liquid that tasted just awful, which if they don't even give you Donatol anymore, it's, literally um phenobarbital and belladonna wow that is so uh uh archaic that is so the chemist good shit if you have anything spastic happening in your in your colon or your stomach region it will calm it It'll calm everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you won't be high strung anymore. <laughs> no. You'll have no strings. <laughs> nope. Um, you know, so there's that. So I grew up, you know, that's that was my that was a big part of my childhood was having experiences like that. Mm-hmm. And it was really difficult. And as I pushed it further and further away, it kind of piles up until I was a teenager. And I couldn't see it anymore most of the time. Most of the time. I'm going to say most of the time. Sometimes I could. Um, But very rarely. But I was still hearing it. It was still being received, but in a much different way. And it was more pure emotion. Pure emotion would come through. And it would suck me in the gut. And I would double over and bawl and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and cry and of course you know you're 13 14 15 years old and so oh hormones emotional teenager my sky is falling (laughs) you know and pass it off on regular teenage stuff but it really wasn't and i i know that a lot of it was there was a lot of turmoil in my home at that time and I was picking up on the turmoil that my parents were going through and they were going through a lot so I was going through a lot and it kicked me out of school a lot I was sick all the time so it manifested deeply physically and continued to do so all the way through adulthood yeah oh yeah anytime I've tried to push anything down push anything back um hide anything under a carpet it will find a way to manifest itself inside me somehow some way and most of the time it has been through physical illness and i don't say that to scare people i say that more to maybe open your eyes if you are kind of going through situations where you are connecting to a spiritual side of yourself but you're also going through some hellacious health issues know that they're connected you might not understand or realize how but but they are connected your your body is throwing up signs and signals to get you to understand the areas in your 
body where energy is trapped and disallowing your physical body from actually functioning the way it is designed to function because you are not integrated. You are not allowing your spirit self and your physical self to come into one, which is a huge part of us being here, is to align those two forces so that you can manifest. It's like if you're just doing things from the spirit side or just doing things from the physical side, you're missing out on a whole lot of that quote unquote magic. When those two sides come together, now you have the the knowledge of the spiritual side and you're connecting it with that physical self. You know, it's it's our physical bodies that we really create with. It's like you can have the idea of something from that spiritual emotional self, but it's not until we start putting it into the physical world and most of the time that requires our physical bodies to do so So, bring it into form through form bringing it through form so when you get into things like ritual and setting up certain um you know using tarot cards and oracle cards or doing candle magic or doing any time even prayers writing down um something in a journal Speaking it aloud. Uh, delivering, a, delivering a prayer, lighting a candle in a church. You're bringing something that is inside you and you are putting it out into the physical world. That is a very, very important step. It's also important not to um, transfer some of the fears that you may have had before you stepped into this world into those practices as in oh my god if i didn't set out my crystals under the full moon that means my life is going to be shit for the next 20 (laughs) days right if i didn't clear my space or do the thing at the correct time the whole world's going to fall apart it's not right everybody has you know we have the regular mundane life as well so sometimes you're busy sometimes you can't do those things that's fine you know just having the intention of you know i'm i'm creating a little bit of space for myself in the next two minutes the next two minutes i'm going to put forth this energy towards this goal during this time in this space that can be your ritual that can be your prayer that can be your you know it it doesn't have to be elaborate it can be and sometimes that's really helpful to start making those connections just don't tie those old fear beliefs to that so that if you don't you're like well you know that's why that happened because and i've seen some really you know i've i've seen some really unfortunate things tied to things like that it's like well you know that's why i broke my leg because you know i didn't i didn't do that thing that i was supposed to do on that specific date well, at that specific time and that right there is the little nugget the supposed to supposed to equates mm-hmm. to should and should there's no place in your life in the life that you're creating if you could extract should the should thinking is what screws us up because there's no such totally. thing. There's no such thing. You are the ruler of your own kingdom. 
There is no should. You get to decide on all the rules. You get to decide on all the rituals, how they're done, when they're done, why they're done, how long they are. You get to make it all up. You're creating your own game. So take should out of it. Well, and in I, I cannot think of a major religious text that doesn't tell us in some way, shape, or form that we have free will. And we have free will for a reason. It's like, I, I'm not going to tell you what you can and cannot do is what free will really means. It means that other people can say things. You have the choice. The choice is within you. You make the choices. Free will means you get to do whatever. And it doesn't mean you get to do whatever because I'm hanging out in the corner waiting to punish you if you don't follow my set of rules. That's not free will. Free will is you get to design and create your own experience. As you go, you get to change your mind. You get to say no. You get to say, I don't believe in what my society dictates to me. Or I'm not comfortable with what is in my culture. Or maybe you get to say, I am comfortable with what's within my culture and my society. Whatever your choice is, it's yours. It's yours to make. And every religious text that I can think of has some form of that where you are taught that is something that you have unfortunately it also usually comes with like an addendum that says oh by the way you're still supposed to follow these rules we're really just keeping an eye on you and seeing (laughs) how well you can function even if we say there's no fence really we're saying you have to stay inside the fence Mm -hmm. that's not what that means (laughs) (laughs) it's like that's not at all what that is So don't put yourself inside a box or a fence or whatever, you know, because you have a perception that that is what you should or are supposed to do. Now, as we're children, we don't have a whole lot of choice in that matter. And it's a difficult thing to wrap your head around as you become an adult that, you know, okay, now I have to unlearn. all of these things that I've been taught because those are all shoulds and you have to and you must or and of course there are always going to be um I don't want to say consequences because consequences sounds and feels like a punishment but for results. every action is is an opposite reaction. Yeah, there will so, be results. So, so there is that. And maybe let that, you know, explore that, see how you feel about that. And if you don't think you're going to enjoy whatever result you're going to get, then maybe change your mind or change your course or, you know. But don't put it, don't hang it on the nail of... I should, or I must, or I will be in trouble if. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm trying to think of other other situations where. Well, I guess I could I could mirror that to my own situation right now with going through the VSG surgery. You know, I I have limitations because of the size of my stomach and having just gone through surgery 
I have the ability to eat whatever I want. I am choosing not to because I would like to make a commitment to my body to be kind to my body while I am recovering. I also did the surgery to make a commitment to myself for my own self-care. So I'm not following any particular diet or set of rules because I should or I have to. It's because I made a commitment to myself for self-care and I want to follow through with that. It's important to me um, to do that because I don't feel that I have done that in the past. And I feel like this is a really good opportunity to start healing a lot of um, a lot of past situations with myself situations where I have flat out said my body is against me I don't understand why my body hates me so much I don't understand why I'm going through this my body is horrible all of these I said some really horrible things to myself about myself and I believe them wholeheartedly. Uh, I, I believed absolutely 100% that my body had turned against me, that it hated me, that I must have done something awful to deserve this kind of punishment, because that's what it felt like at the time. And what I realized over time and doing yet again, I'm going to say it again, quote unquote, the work, I realized that I wasn't listening to the cues that my body was giving me to try to say, slow down, you're doing too much, you're taking on too much, you're, you know, this is not aligned with your heart and your soul. You are not taking time for yourself. You're not giving yourself enough love and attention um you're forcing yourself to do things that are not in resonance with yourself absolutely and again it these weren't punishments it was my body's own my physical body's only way of slowing me down enough to where i could eventually hear it and i'm grateful even though it was not easy to go through and it sucked and i hated it This journey that I am on currently is my way of saying, I hear you, I'm sorry, and I do love you, and I do want to take time for you, and I do want to make that connection with my physical self so that I can fulfill all the dreams that I have, all of those, you know, Things that come up as like lofty thoughts of things that I would like to accomplish in this lifetime, things that I would like to see and do. I cannot do those things without my physical body's help. My physical body has to help me get there and move through those things. I want to honor it. And so this is how I'm honoring it by keeping this commitment, which feels right and feels good, and which I constantly now turn back to myself and go okay so these are the rules that are set out in front of me they're a basic guideline now i have to check in with myself and say does this still feel 
correct? Do I need to seek out help if it doesn't feel correct? Which is your way of staying conscious about a tendency towards creating dogma to begin with. Because that's where we Absolutely. go wrong. It's not where it's not that we create systems to help a, a to help us maintain our lifestyle or get through the day. It's when those systems begin to take over and become a ruler of our decisions that things go awry. So, if you want to tap into your spiritual gifts and you want to play more with mysticism and magic, the key is to remain conscious about the dogma you're creating because dogma is the quickest way to collapse any hope of exploring, being curious. It doesn't promote curiosity. It doesn't promote exploration. It doesn't promote play in any way. Once things go to dogma, you have checked out. You have become unconscious. And consciousness is the way towards your gifts. Absolutely. And what I will say in tandem with that is that you cannot do it wrong unless you are specifically going against your own internal voice. That's the only way you get this quote unquote wrong. And you're not going to be punished if you do. You're just going to go through a period of lessons to help show you that you need to shift your perspective into understanding that whatever is coming up for you. Like I used to get people all the time that would come into the shop and that were like, okay, so I need, I need the list. Like, how do I actually you know, perform this thing or, or how do I, how do I astral travel? Here's a basic one that I would hear all the time. I know that doesn't sound basic at all. How do I astral travel? Well, it helps to be clear of mind. It helps to not having 8 million things going through your head. So for me, I would go to the beach. I would go to the beach at night and I would dig my toes into the sand and I would look up at the moon and I had my focus object and I would hear the the waves and I would just let my mind clear. And that's, and then I would have hold the intention of that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to connect and I wanted to connect with a specific, maybe a specific individual or a specific place. And that's how I would astral project. Um, People get really nervous when you start talking about things like that because they think that they are going to physically leave their body. And it does feel like that. You may have a sensation where you will feel very lightheaded or where you will feel like something is rising up inside you and like you are going to float away. And so that is a, that is valid that people have that thought and feeling sometimes. Um, staying grounded or having an item that you keep in mind that you are tethered to in, the, in your physical space. A lot of people will talk about like a silver cord or um, some sort of a thread or something like that that is tied back to your uh physical realm your physical experience and you understand and that's you just a tool that. that's just a tool, just a tool to help your scaredy cat side not be so afraid yeah. like it's literally just yeah. a mechanism for your conscious ego mind to be like okay well okay there's the safety We're mechanism safe yeah yeah you're never it's, going it's, to float away you're never going no. to not come back to your body it's that's not how this works no 
No, you're never not going to come back into your present consciousness within your body. That that doesn't happen either. Um, but I know that that is one thing that will stop people. That feeling of oh, I'm going to float away. I'm unsafe. I'm unsafe. Stop or I'm me. Something, <laughs> or or something. Or you know, the other thing <clears throat> I would get, or something is going to come in and take over. <laughs> if you're worried, if you're worried about something coming in and taking over. If you're, if, if it's a legitimate concern for you, then set a safety boundary for yourself. You don't need it, honestly. Um, it's all about intention. If you intend that you are in a safe space and that you are going to a safe space, then you will go to a safe space. If you have fear that bubbles up inside you that is telling you that you are going to go to a place that you are unsafe, you are going to feel as though you are going to a place that is unsafe and you are going to see and hear and feel things that feel unsafe because that is what you are projecting. It is very much about your intention. And just because you have that intention does not mean that it is. It does not mean that it is unchangeable. I'm not going to say that it is not reality because you are creating your reality. So if you want to create a reality in which you are encased in fear and that you are haunted and that you are attacked, you are inviting that. You are inviting that reality into your physical space. You're choosing Again, to play with it. And, and, absolutely. You have free will. Because consciously, consciously people are not going to resonate with the fact that they're inviting it. To invite something is a conscious decision where you are asking it to come through the front door. It's not a conscious decision. It's a subconscious decision. And a lot of people do not yet have control over sure. what they connect with. So the reality is, is that when you are choosing to resonate with that fear, you are playing with what comes along with that fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... You know, that's a little tidbit on, on that. And that goes for pretty much any work within that realm. If if you are, you know, astral travel, any type of, you know, very deep meditative work, which is really all that astral travel is. It's a deep meditative work where you are projecting yourself into another space. Which really, others- it really sounds like what you were doing at the fort was astral travel. Like if you, you are not experiencing at that point, you are not experiencing what we would think of as ghosts, even though I still have a huge bone to pick with our interpretation of ghosts. That aside, I'll save that for another show. It it is very likely that you, it was so natural to you to project your consciousness that if there was a curiosity there about what you were viewing, you projected yourself into that timeline, into that reality. You traveled. I, I, I did, but I will say I, I still feel like I only traveled when I made the conscious decision to interact. Yeah, in their space. Sure. So I wasn't always interacting in the space. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I was just viewing. I wasn't actually interacting. But I'd when be really, I chose to interact. I'd be really interested to see if there were any ghost stories from that fort about being haunted back when it was new. Like, what if those men you were interacting with, once you chose to ask them questions, 
had stories about a ghost girl. Because <laughs> I know that I've experienced that through past lives. I've had oh, a life I, as a ghost I, that didn't – I didn't know I was dead. And so I was interacting with Native Americans that I wanted to live with, not realizing I that I was saying. dead. So if I can do that, then what you were doing was you were haunting them. I mean, it's true, a possibility. True. It's it's a possibility you that could would be, be interesting to look up. The ghost of that fort. <laughs> there was reported that there was a little a little girl. She was seen wearing this, and and they had no explanation for why she was there. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was just Jamie that... checking in. Hello, history. Because <laughs> it's history hey, to us, but to them, it was their life. And if they were able to answer your present. questions, yeah, yeah. If they were able able to answer your questions from a let's just say a higher spirit perspective, if it was the their soul that was answering the questions, it's very possible that in their actual timeline, they were experiencing what we would consider to be a haunting because they were not completely aware that they were interacting with you. True, which which makes me want to find those cassette tapes even more. Oh my god, the cassette tapes! Will you just please? I mean, it's not like you don't visit your parents. You have to ransack at some point. But but they're not with my parents. Where They'd are they? Be with if if they're if they're anywhere still, they would be with my uncle because my uncle took over my grandparents' property when they passed. And so he was the one that went through all of their things. So if they still exist, they would be probably somewhere in storage with my uncle. Would you please? And I'm not. Figure it out. I'm not sure. Right. Figure it out. Um, damn it. <laughs> it. It would be fun. It would be fun to to hear those again, because that was something my grandparents basically would sit me down at the end of the night and press play on a tape recorder and like ask me about my day. And then I'd like sing songs with my grandpa and Oh, maybe that's why he came through last night. Huh? All right. We'll look into it. Gramps. Um, <laughs> he came through last night for Brian actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. He came through like Brian had in his head, you are my sunshine. And he came in the room. He's like, does you are my sunshine? Does that, does that mean anything to you? I'm like, yeah, that's my grandpa's song to me. Wow. And he's like, oh, well, then I guess your grandpa's here and he says hello. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Well, hi, grandpa. This is the perfect segue into our next episode where we will be talking about ghosts and what that means and what that implies and what our experiences have been versus what you may be experiencing. So if you're interested in that, stay tuned. And I think yes. because we have been talking for like ever, <laughs> we should probably wrap it up. Also, you know, True. we want to know what your experiences are. We're so curious. We talk to each other all the time and then we put it out there in the verse for you to hear. So if you are hearing this and you can relate to or resonate with anything we've said, please get in contact with us. We have all the social medias. We have email. All the links are up on our Patreon. They're up on our Captivate page, I believe. Are they up on our Captivate page? They're, they're on our Captivate page. They are on our Instagram. You can go into our bio. You'll see our link tree. It has absolutely everything on there, including whatever is the newest episodes will be available right off that link. You can cl click them and go to them directly. You don't even have to hunt down a, you know, a platform or anything. You can just click it and play it. Um, but yeah. And, you know, even if nothing that we said resonated with you and if you have questions, you're like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Can you please explain? 
we're available for that kind of conversation too. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And it doesn't we're matter. most especially available for that kind of conversation on Discord. Uh, Every Saturday after we after the show drops, the show will drop on a Thursday. On that Saturday, we always have a meetup, uh, barring catastrophe. So there's always a meetup, and we have a, a nice, intimate little group that stops by and says hey and tells us about their week and what they've been experiencing from both a mundane and a spiritual perspective because they can't be separated. And you are more than welcome to join us there. There will be links for that as well. Absolutely. So I guess that's it. We've done the thing. We've done the thing. All right. Then we'll sign out and say goodbye. We'll see you next time.